Hello and welcome to the Wolf Den Podcast, your home for competitive Digimon, TCG, discussion, and news. I'm your host, Nako, joined by my co-host, Zenitsu. This week, we will be discussing the similarities and differences between the North American meta and the Japanese meta over time. We are now available on all podcasting networks, including, but not limited to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Find us at Wolf Den Digimon TCG. On top of that, we also stream over on twitch.tv slash Zenitsu, and this gets posted as a video over on YouTube under the channel of Zenitsu. So we figured with the delay to the BT-10, we would include another episode kind of encompassing uh, topics that didn't exactly fit into one meta, or that didn't have to fit into one meta, because... What really more was there to say about BT9? So, um, I know we, we talk about this a lot, and we haven't really had a chance to really like show the audience, so to speak, that the Japanese meta and the North American meta, even just comparing their direct time periods in which you know, those are the most uh, recent legal cards, are very different and they just continue to be different and they probably will always be different just because we play the game differently and we approach the game from different perspectives. And we've been on the record or at least on a lot of my videos, I've been on the record to say like the biggest difference is they play best of one. We play best of three. Most of their events are not even 20 people and we're running events that are easily hitting four or 500 people. Um, so there's just a huge difference on just the scale and just the format that we're playing in. On top of that, we get like ban announcements a little bit later than they do. So we play a format where cards were banned, where they played the format where cards weren't banned. And then uh, sometimes in the rare occasions, we'll have a format where we have promos that they didn't or vice versa. Yeah. One of the biggest things is just in regard to the size of the events i know um their large events their evo cups their nationals qualifiers are 64 person in-person events whereas ours are 512 capped online events not you know some of them are in person some of them are store champs but our large events that we use to define what our meta is on a grand scale are just vastly outnumber theirs and even our standard meta as we kind of go from event to event theirs is mostly comprised of locals level information which because i think it's it's wrong to say that japanese players aren't as competitively minded because they can play as competitive or as not as competitive as they really want to. What it really more speaks to is this is just, you know, a locals level representation, which makes sense to me, especially because I'm not going to take the same deck to locals for two months straight and just play the same deck. I, I, I'd be lucky to take it for the next three decks or three weeks straight. And if my only play, my only competitive play is at locals level, that significantly changes my frame of reference and mind as I approach playing. Yeah, I know for my YouTube specifically, I 
generally take a new deck every single week to locals and that's where i test a lot of like my uh not super meta decks just to kind of like get a good feel for them um and yeah if i if that was the only time i could play competitive digimon i probably wouldn't even do that and i would be more of in the mindset of refining my one deck to make sure that it is as good as it can be for whenever or whatever the large competitive event is so that way i have as best of a shot at winning as i possibly could so there is a huge cultural difference between how we just approach the game and our local scenes versus japan and their local scenes as well that is uh an adding contributing factor to just the sheer difference in our formats because i think one of the I guess, yeah, just the, the whole locals level thing being the most relevant portion of this information, because when I bring a deck, if I'm expected to play at a locals level, I have a rough idea of who I'm going to play against before I even get there, and depending on the given week, more or less people show up, sometimes the more competitive people are off doing something else at some other event, they kind of usually roll as a pack, like if there's a large online event that day you're not going to see anyone there at locals because they're all at home playing online <laughs> but um it's also it just kind of changes what i play based on I, like i don't want to be the guy that just shows up with blue hybrids every day and plays like blue hybrids into whatever my opponents have nor do i want to show up with blue hybrids every day and have everyone else show up with blue hybrids in you know when blue hybrids was at its peak and basically everyone's playing blue hybrids it was more of a personal thing whereas if i played an event and i only played in the blue hybrids it was kind of to be expected because everyone brought their deck that they wanted to win with because winning was the ultimate deciding factor in these online events like it's fun to play in these events but the competition aspect is pretty much the most important part to a lot of people yeah, and I think as uh, time went on, um, our North American data actually started getting better in terms of like the data that's being represented. We have different data points that we could look at, um, whereas earlier in the game's life, we kind of just really didn't have that, and the only frame of reference we had was Japan's. So that was the only thing that we could latch on to, and then uh, we take basically where they left off their meta and basically continue it and extend it to leak over into what defines our meta. So they've already done a lot of the testing for us, and we're just picking up the pieces and continuing where they left off. Yeah, rarely do we find something that was game-breakingly good, or this, oh, this deck, if you build it in this way, or if you include this card. Rarely do we find things that they haven't found before, at least somewhere, because again, you're seeing their um, their information usually just as a result of compiled Twitter data. Like pe somebody wins locals, they take a picture of their deck, and that's where you're getting lists. That's where you're getting topping reports. That's kind of how their data is gathered and uh, expressed to us. So if one list out of the 50 lists that won in that random friday night or saturday night whenever they hold their locals includes a card that could potentially be very good then maybe somebody will see it and then it'll be represented the next week but 
I, I really don't think we've had a, an example of a card being used that hadn't been used in the Japanese meta to the same extent. Uh, the only one that I can think of in recent, like, Digimon competitive history is Ofanimon. Um, that deck was, like, nowhere to be seen in Japan, and it started having some mild success. I'm using the word mild loosely. It's a pretty decent deck on concept. It's basically Mastimon minus the Mastimon. Um, and that was, like, the most recent example of a more newer or creative deck. Outside of that, the majority of it is just kind of iteration on the stuff that Japan had done. And because there's a lot of like different decks um, to go over, there's just a lot of things that you could look at when you're deciding how you want to approach your deck, build. Uh, which is kind of cool. Um, but not everything is going to be super successful uh, there that it is here, just because, again, best of one, large event, or best of one, small event, versus best of three, large event. There is a huge gap in uh like what the deck is capable of getting lucky winning three rounds is a little bit easier than getting uh a more um getting top tables at uh a 500 person event going nine rounds um so there is just a difference in deck building and what decks are designed to do because of that i mean even if you discount the online events because you know even if you look at the most recent um the sheet for 2023 nats 60 to 75 percent of the people there if not 80 percent um have won a locals and that's how they've qualified so a lot of people that play competitively or at least that are represented competitively and then will take that competition forward to nationals will have won a store championship which is four rounds best of threes you've already played more games on average than a full japanese local in a round and a half you know by the time you play your fourth game that would be the championship if you've at that point you know assuming you haven't lost though You'd have to just win four games in a row and you'd be done. Yeah, and it is sometimes just the high rolling nature on like why there is a decent spread of decks in Japan versus the uh, clustering that happens in North America. Yeah, just taking a best of three into account, it reduces the fact that, you know, if I open just an absolute garbage hand, I don't necessarily lose the match for that, whereas they're they only play best of one, so they sometimes like, oh, I just lost the whole tournament. I just drew like five level sixes. Yeah, and some of the decks definitely overperformed in best of one um, and underperformed in best of three. Uh, Jessmon being a really good example of that. Uh, Japan loves Jessmon. I love Jessmon too, but uh, he definitely did not have as strong of a showing over in our English format versus the Japanese format. So, just kind of as a comparison tool, Sunitsu and I were thinking the best way to really show this was just kind of take, like, you know, a stroll through history as far as the last couple of formats and just the differences between the two and the similarities, too, but I would say there are more differences than similarities, unfortunately. Um, 
even though we use their information as our starting point, as Anitsu mentioned, we usually take their where they end off and then begin to iterate from that point forward, basically being the Japanese format continued, um, though usually congregating at the top and then potentially introducing a new element to shake up those top. Yep. But um, just in general, our competitive season didn't technically start until... It technically started in BT4, but truly BT5 was the announcement of that there will be a Nationals and the like. So we kind of started our frame of reference with BT5 only for that sake of competitive comparison. Um, for J See, I, I guess for Japan, it wasn't even that because they didn't know about it until much later. <laughs> yeah, and just as another like point of reference, even our BT4 was different than Japan's because we had cards banned for our BT4 that Japan didn't. I forgot about so that. So even, even starting off with BT4 we still had a huge difference in just the ban and restriction announcement. Like Sarasmon in uh, BT4 was Never still forget. pretty huge, uh, but he kind of died off because we didn't really get the full power of Sarasmon and hidden potential discovered with uh, Argamon level five. Like just that whole Digisorption package, like just Got came and went. It even. Never even saw it. Yeah, I think we had like one or two weeks of it actually legal, but for any competitive event, it just wasn't. So like that caused a ripple effect to where green was still pretty okay because Nidhogg is just that good of a card. Um, but Yellow War Greymon just ran away with the whole format. Like it was Yellow War Greymon and then Rookie Rush. Uh, and then we saw security control start to emerge in that format as well, just because in future formats, they, they were, were experimenting in BT6. With it. They were in BT6 at the same time we were in BT4 and they created BT or they created their version of security control in response to Jessmon and Gabu Bond and because they just got the tools to actually kind of play that style of deck based on the full suite of rec of removal cards that were introduced in BT6. Yeah, so we technically had that deck, like, we had a lot of the parts and pieces to make the vast majority of it early on, so we started seeing security control earlier than they did, which then has its own sub-ripples that uh, change, again, how we need to approach um, the game, because now we're playing actually with different decks. Not necessarily decks from the future, but, like, we are playing with decks that didn't exist without the knowledge of the Japanese format. Um, just because you... I think it's also important to note here that the invention of security control in North America, translating it from Japan's future version of it to a working copy of it with older cards, also kind of killed Megazoo because it was the premier control deck that existed prior to the creation of since it was kind of half Megazoo, half removal, it filled that same niche, and then you kind of stopped seeing Megazoo in North America. And anyone that played Megaz or Megazoo previously either played a normal deck or they played Security Control. Right. So, Japanese BT5 was something that 
I imagine any of us that played back then for when we were approaching BT5. Um, I know Japanese BT5 was the reason I started playing yellow in BT4, because I kind of saw what was happening over there, and I was like, I'm just, green's already been nerfed once, it's a sad state, I'm not just going to continue to play the color that I know it to be less competitive for the foreseeable future, because that's all we had was, you know, two sets of yellow dominance, basically, because BT4 was War green yellow, but without green, it's just yellow. So, yep. Um, yellow Lord Nightbot in Japan, uh, based on the data we were able to grab, was 36% Lord Nightmon. Uh, 161 toppings throughout random events throughout their BT5. Um, second best deck for their format, Green Digiburst. Um, Which not, is Reflessimon. Not a, yeah, not super standard of a deck. A lot of variations are encompassed within that general naming convection. Um, dropping down to only 15.8%. Uh, then just purple. Purple good stuff. Um, there were a couple variations of decks included in this, but just this is the purple spot. Uh, 53 decks, 12% of the meta. Rookie Rush, 47, 10%. Shoutmon, 39, 8%. Megazoo, 39, 8%. Red Omni, 33, 7.5%. We cut it off there because these... It's not a true statistical representation. It's not why we're here. It's just, this is their data, and why does that matter, and how does that affect our data? Well, it affects our data, uh, even though we don't have the exact data in front of us uh, because we didn't start collecting data in a better sense till like much later. Um, but as far as I can remember, the vast majority of what our BT5 format, which is what everyone hated, was just Lord Nightmon. It was like Lord Nightmon X, whatever mega you're going to be running. And that was a huge majority of what the meta was. Green definitely did not have as strong of a showing. Neither did Red with Shoutmon. Uh, I would actually say probably the second best deck in that format, um, from what I could remember, was Rookie Rush. Uh, yeah. Rookie Rush did pretty good. Um, Blue had Imperial, and Imperial still had some mild success. Um, but Lord Nightmon just absolutely dominated uh, the English format because of just how good it was and how good we saw it was in Japan and how much Japan really, really played that deck. So, again, I don't have true information in front of me. I'm mostly going on memory. Lord Nightmon was, was the meta. Everyone knew that. Anyone that's been around can attest to that. Though, uh, they averaged 36.43% um, of the meta at the point in which it ended. But that was, I think, as egregious as it was in North America. And this is, I think, a good reason why we started with BT5. And then we kind of talked a little bit about like the prelude to BT5. Um, because I feel like outside of a couple rearrangements, a couple pluses, a couple minuses, this is our BT5, just more concentrated at the top. Except... Um, 
So our, our Lord Might Mom was as popular as theirs was, basically. Because I think we peaked at 35% Lord Night Mon at one point. I remember that was a fairly significant value that we hit. Um, but with Rookie Rush, at least keeping it, not, not keeping it in check, but competing with it. So Lord Nightmon never really hit tier zero status. It just was a very strongly represented tier one. Yeah. I don't think we really had like, a super definitive tier zero because like yet. even looking we'll get at there because <laughs> even looking at like bt6 like their bt6 mostly was jessmon ours wasn't ours was mostly uh gabu bond if i recall yeah um so moving to bt6 uh they combine their ex sets with the they basically they call it like bt6 plus bt8 plus for ex1 and 2 so, BT6+, plus, including EX1 data, um, they actually have Gabu Bond at 26.3, Jessmon 26.1. They were off by a deck. Gabu Bond had one more showing, one more topping than Jessmon did. Uh, Agu Bond, third place, 16.5. Three musket, or I'm sorry, Agubond, fourth place. No, third place, shit. No, three, musket, third place. three musket, fourth place, 16%. Setcon, you know, int being introduced in this format for them, uh, 15%. And then purple, Tida, 8%. Um, it is worth noting, I, I was going to mention in the purple segment of BT5, but there were examples of Lilith Loop in BT5 like as its inception but it was not it, it was the minority it was you know maybe two out of ten decks were lilith loop decks instead of what the hell was it chaos gallant yeah um, it was chaos gallant in bt5 and then it was titamon in bt6 so some amount of this purple tita also includes lilith loop but it's still the minority it's still mostly purple tita um but even so, even including EX1 data, Gabubon was barely their most popular deck when in North America, it was by far the most common. It was t straight up tier zero status. Uh, again, we don't have that old of data in that was actually accurately collected as we do now. Uh, but it definitely was a very powerful deck. I'm trying to even remember well, like what actually competed with it and the answer to me really wasn't a whole lot like you still had some older decks that were trying to compete and you saw jessmon trying to compete but it just nothing was as consistent and oppressive as a uh, gabu bond was and ex1 made gabu bond way better um it, it's actually kind of crazy how much better it got just with the inclusion of ice wall and then they had four ice balls. We never had four ice balls. That's not true. We did for, um, yeah, we did. Oh, we had for EX one. Yeah, which was, yeah, we yeah. had EX one four ice balls, and then everything else no four ice balls. They had four ice balls this whole time this in BT seven. Yeah. yeah, in um, BT seven and in part of BT eight, they had four ice balls, which we didn't. Which also affects how we had to play without that tool. Damn. Uh, that and our BT6 
also had promos that their BT6 didn't, even though actually the Gabumon promo proved to be a pretty good and important tool at the start, and then they just swapped it out with the EX1 part. Um, so Gabumon's was a little bit better from Inception in our BT6 than theirs. Um, so you actually, I think... So this isn't the spreadsheet that I tried to find. It's a different spreadsheet that I compiled. But um, this is uh, every English region's uh, nationals topping data. So it was 35% Gabu Bond across the board. There were like only three or four decks that actually topped at nationals in their respective regions. Gabu Bond, Lilith Loop, Jessmon, and Sekcon, actually. And then there's one Diaboro, one Three Musket, and one Lord Nightmon. So, but either way, it, it's 35% Gabu Bond across the board between the, the four regions combined. So, Gabu Bond was just the absolute force of nature for our bt6 and but more so ex1 and i think the important part here is that while gabu bond in bt6 wasn't as dominating of a presence as it could be obviously it didn't have the ex1 gabu it didn't have ice wall um it still was a large percentage of the north american meta because we knew that it was only getting better so people started playing it earlier Plus, like I said before, the promo Gabu that helps search out uh, your tamers, that actually helped um, because we were missing that uh, EX Gabu to fill that void, and that card just so happened to nicely fill that void. So I think it's like the first running theme here is that North American players will take what is to be good or projected to be good and rotate it back and apply it to our current meta even if we don't have all of the pieces they're working with at the time if we can make the deck function and something that um i don't have so yeah jessmon was basically tied for gabu bond in at the end of their ex1 whereas we had one two three three out of 16 no 32 times four yeah three out of 32 players topped with jespon at their respective nationals not you know 50 percent of that so um the fact that lilith loop and Secon were kind of brought up to compete with gabu bond because they were really the only decks that could at that time. Yeah, because Lilith Loop, you just do your loop and that's kind of it. You just create such a powerful board state that it's like, look, you're going to die or I'm already going to be killing you with this uh, board state that I amassed. And then security control is just like, look, you're going to be swinging a lot of my security. Go right ahead. Feel free. I'll let you take the first hit. And the second hit. Oh, you died the second hit? Sorry, you don't get your third hit. Um, like, 
they were just better decks to go up against Gabu Bonds than Jessmon. Jessmon was just trying to race it, and it didn't have the consistency that Blue did to be able to actually compete on the level that it needed to. Another thing to note, just because tracking the history of decks over time, security control for uh, the Japanese BT6 EX1 meta was exclusively yellow-black. We never, they never had a McDonald's yellow-red hybrid because they started with yellow-black, and that was their their basis. They, it always kept yellow. I think sometimes it it added other colors, but it it was, it was, um, it's mostly yellow just because that's where all the recovery is and DP minus. Yeah, and the DP minus is nice. BT six added Wyvern's Breath, which is basically yellow's Wy or Gaia Force. Better Gaia Force in a lot yeah, of instances. It, yeah, because it doesn't delete, it just DP minuses, and then the game state deletes it, which is different. So... Gets around cannot be deleted effects, which a lot of cards yes. have, but not as many have cannot be DP minus effects. Yes. Um, and yeah, like the D Digivolve with Ultimate Flare was also a huge draw. Uh, on top of Izzy uh, and Joe being a really fantastic tamer to also help you draw cards. Uh, I mean, Ultimate Flare doesn't help you draw. It was a draw to play the color. Uh, just because the D-Digivolve, nothing in the game currently stops you from D-Digivolve. Like, yeah. And at the time, uh, Rookie Rush was still pretty prevalent, so it just dealt with Rookie Rush 2, um, which was a factor. And Gabu Bond was kind of Rookie Rush with a big body sometimes. Yeah. So, so it was just a good uh, pick to try to counter um, the best deck. Uh, it didn't do as good as a job, but uh, it's still tempted. Yeah, and so yeah, Jespon and was definitely underrepresented in our meta as a result of Gabu Bond being more represented. But um, I think the real loser of BT6 for us was Agubond. Agubond got completely way wayside and shafted as compared to the Japanese meta. It was their number three, and I would be surprised if it was in our top five. It's probably just because, like, they have a really good early game, but their game finishers aren't as good as Bonds. Like, if you chip with your Agumons in, uh, Ag or if you chip with your Agumons, you don't have that, like, explosive burst that, uh, the, the Bond offers because the Bond burns the security before it does the checks. So that's good if they're at, like, one security, but kind of meaningless if they have anything more than one security um so like it's not bad it's just i would rather just have three attacks versus burn one check two mm. so on top of red having less consistency than blue that's also another huge factor i think it also kind of led into if you were a player approaching to play an aggro bond deck either Gabu Bond or Agu Bond. Gabu Bond was just kind of your clear choice. Why play Agu Bond when Gabu Bond exists? It does the same thing you want to do, but better. Yeah. So I unless mean, you were someone yeah. who just absolutely... And, and if you were someone who absolutely wanted to play red, you played Jessmon. So there was zero niche for Agu Bond specifically. Um, but, so moving forward, this is where the data gets really different only because now we're starting to see why cards were restricted and uh, 
therefore affects our meta in a way that it didn't affect theirs. But uh, Japanese BT7 led by Yellow Hybrid, 24.3%, then Blue Hybrid, 23.5%, Red Hybrid, 15.8%, Jessmon, 12.75%, Gabu Bond, 12.5%, Lilith Loop, 11%. Um, so, Yellow, Blue, Red Hybrid come out the gate strong, the difference being that the yellow hybrid that is shown in this data, the best deck of the Japanese BT7, is yellow hybrid with Mega Digimon Fusion Susano. And even blue hybrid still used Mega Digimon four. Fusion Susano and Icewall Ice <laughs> at four. So um, they were just decidedly the best decks because of those Tekken tools, and they had the best ability to, you know be consistent, survive long enough, and utilize those cards. So even if you kind of look at the, the, the pool here of the card, the decks that did well, um, there were decks that didn't necessarily have to attack that many times. Yellow Hybrid would basically completely not attack at all until they would Mega Digimon Fusion and then swing with Susano, um, checking three. Um... So even if the opponent had Leda Ice Wall, which in that format for them, that was more common than not. Like you were basically expected to be seeing an Ice Wall, than not expect to see an Ice Wall. Yeah, and then uh, the other factor was the fact that with Mega Digimon Fusion, it made going into Sasano like what one or two memory. So it's just like okay, check three security. You have one or two left. Then it's just hybrid swing, hybrid swing, hybrid swing, and that's the game. Uh, Blue did the very similar style of thing, except again, it had Ice Wall to actually stop the opponent from potentially killing them because of that tax on all of their attacks on um, top of the stun. So I guess the real important thing of BT7, um, just general notes, is A, Jessmon still exists um, by the, at this point in the North American meta, after underperforming in BT6 and then getting absolutely spit-roasted in EX1 by Gabu Bond, basically everybody stopped playing Jessmon, and if you were still playing Red for some reason, you'd switch to Red Hybrid, but so, but Japanese players... I don't even remember Red Hybrid doing that well in our meta. I know. <laughs> but Jessmon just didn't really exist for our BT7 at all. Um... And it, it definitely underperformed in the sets prior anyway, given that it was almost tied for the best deck in BT6 slash EX1 in Japan. Um, yeah, because we didn't get the savior ban, or the sa not restriction. Ban, the savior limit until BT8. But people didn't care. They stopped playing it anyway. Because also, forward-looking, you know, running theme here, why play a deck that's already not great and is almost unplayable? in the next set. There's no staying power. Nope. Um, at least at the time. And so anyone that, that um, is unaware for our BT7, uh, Blue Hybrid managed to completely change its tune. And even though all the hybrid decks kind of saw a restriction in the form of Mega Digimon Fusion Susano, 
Um, every deck kind of managed to shift their gears, and North American players managed to come out with competitive lists that didn't utilize that combo, since we saw the format with the restriction. Uh, Blue Hybrid switched from like their Magna Guru. They just kind of dropped Koji, dropped Magna Guru, dropped Susano, and just ran Hybrid Rookie Rush, which is something that, looking at the Japanese lists, they started to do by the end of the format, kind of. They still included some amount of Susano usually, but they were predominantly Koji Magna lists up until the very tail end of, the, of their format. I mean, you still ran Tommy just because Tommy's that good, but yeah. Um, Magna just was a really appealing late game card, and then with the restriction for our format, there was just no reason to run it at all. Like, we just literally stuck to the guns of running the level fives and below. We ran a Zulong, which was a really spicy tech for Japan, but it became a very pivotal card for us because that just provided the damage that your low-level bodies just sometimes couldn't have. And then the combination between stripping all of their sources, stunlocking their Digimon so that they can't attack, just only fed the Azulongmon to, ev to be even better than what Magna ever hoped to be. Um, uh, another thing I think that's fairly important here is that BT7, even though they had pre-ban hell in some ways, but every, you know, nothing's broken if everything's broken, because every deck was basically using Susano. Um, but it was actually fairly averaged out. You know, their highest, their most represented deck being only 24 and 25% of the meta, and their sixth most represented deck being 11% of the meta. It, they still had a fairly tight, you know, tier 1, tier 2 package, of decks that all were in the running to win an event. Again, best of one. But um, we really saw that kind of spiral for us. Even post-restriction, we saw it just kind of go out of control with Blue Hybrid running away with, at one point, I think, you know, 60% of toppings. Yeah, like, yellow was still good, but without the Susano to act as its kill factor, it just had a harder time. Like, it could manage and manipulate its memory. It had some pretty decent consistency. It just had no way of actually closing games as easy as blue, because blue can just swing, use the level 5 Beowulfmon to add a level 4 back to your hand, and, oh, hey, look, I have a new card that I then am able to use. Yellow doesn't have that. Yellow doesn't have that recyclability on its cards to be able to perform that like chip strategy on top of the fact that blue also is controlling every single time it's swinging. So there's no real reason to not swing with blue when you have the opportunity to yellow just wants to hold back and then maybe try to use a really good level six. But at the time there really wasn't that great of level sixes. I think what they used, um, uh, Seraphimon. Uh, just because for each of mm -hmm. your uh, cards in your security, he could gain security attack plus one. So like he was their big punch card. Yeah, um, and even then, uh, it wasn't that great. Uh, so they kind of like turned more into like security control to try to grind the opponent out. And then they just tried to have a whole bunch of memory 
to be able to still attempt to use Susanamon, but without Mega Digimon Fusion, it wasn't as cheap and easy as it could have been. So, um, the BT8 slash EX2, again, they combine their, their data, is kind of, I guess, why we actually saw restrictions moving forward, because all restrictions up until that point were completely Japanese data-minded, and it really does show why these cards were restricted, why these decks were hit. Um, so the number one deck of BT8 slash EX2 was also Yellow Hybrid. Now, um, with less of a uh, dominant lead, but still decidedly in the number one spot, even, you know, technically through all the way up until the start of BT9, um, A, with the restriction for them, and B, because BT9 probably would have done something about that a little bit anyway, but um, 18.5% yellow hybrid, second deck, blue hybrids, 12.8%, third deck, the first new deck, Imperial Jogress, 12.7%, fourth, Jessmon, still kicking, 9.9%, black X antibody, uh, the first non-security control black deck ever represented on this list. <laughs> 9.6% Armor Rush, 8.2 Black War Greymon, the second black deck listed. 7.9% <laughs> Mastamon Jogress, 7.8 D Reapers, uh, 7% Bielzamon, 5.5. So we basically kind of just looking at the, the raw collection of deck lists, we found a significant drop off point and just kind of drew the line there. Um, only just to not mention every deck that was played in every format. Um, and if you notice, there were just quite a few more in the BTH slash EX2 pool, even with the pre-restriction elements of the hybrid decks. And, like, we went into that with a completely different format, and by the end of it, um, Blue Hybrid was actually the best deck if not the second best deck in that format which i guess is like pretty true uh but they were playing it yeah uh but they were playing it more consistently and we had a huge spike in blue hybrids towards the very end Mm. so if we would have went in playing blue hybrids more it definitively would have been the best deck of bt8 but instead it was definitively the best deck in ex2 yeah uh, the blue hybrid spike was with the addition of the EX2 package to make blue hybrid just that much better, and that being that much newer, so that people who were playing Imperial Jogris um, and wanted to revert back to that hybrid style could do so with the addition of some new cards. Um, though the deck never really went too far away for us, um, it definitely exploded in ex2 and that's why leading into bt9 i was really kind of wanting to get out of that format in north america because had we kept going blue hybrid i think only would have gotten more extreme because people were really starting to dial in and refine that list to a place where uh the japanese meta never really got to yeah uh bt9 i think was actually a pretty it was an interesting format more interesting than i would have thought um and like we actually have uh with all of the large north american events closing 
Um, we kind of have our own little compilation of data. We'll probably go more in depth into BT9 format as a whole in the next episode. Um, but just as a nice little prelude, um, Gurumon X is our number one deck for BT9. Um, and it's sitting at a comfortable 23%, followed by Alphamon as our number two at about 16%. Then Grandis is our number three, tied with Gaiomon, both at 11%. Then D Brigade at 8%, Security Control at 7%, and D Reaper at um, 6%. And then just as a little fun fact, the only deck to not have topped an event out of like that little tier one, tier two bubble uh, was security control one in event not topped those these are or, only yeah one in a yeah this whole data one set in includes event. toppings but there's also a smaller data set of just winners exclusively and security trolls the only one that never won an event yeah and then uh if we take a look and compare that to where japan was with their bt9 we're gonna see something completely different but that's also because they still had yellow hybrids and we didn't yeah. Um. So they're number and one. Technically, deck. blue hybrids, but they just, for whatever reason, didn't really want to play it anymore. <laughs> I think it's just because of the meta shift towards like more OTK out of raising plays, which is what really hurt blue hybrids because it needs a board state. Uh, um. I do think, like, as an aside, it's still strong, but it needs a board state. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say I do think we never got to see it in either their data because they didn't play it, or in our data because it was restricted, but. Um, I think blue hybrids would have, especially coming off the the high that was EX2, I think, um, blue hybrids would have maintained a stronger, I feel like blue hybrids would have knocked like D brigade off that list and just swap it out had it still been playable, um, in its same state from EX2. Maybe hard, hard to say exactly. Cause you know, that's an alternate timeline that we don't have access to. Um, but as far as the data from Japan on how they played BT9, um, their number one deck was Alphamon by a pretty large margin, sitting at 21%, followed by uh, Yellow Hybrids at 11% as their number two. And then Gaiomon uh, was their number three at 10%. Wargrey X Antibody was their number four at 9%. Grandis at 7%. Uh, Metal Gururumon at 7 as like their number 6 deck. Then we get into Mastimon and Bealstar um, as their 7th and 8th at both 6%. Um, and then it kind of just falls off from there with Armor Rush, Imperial, um, and the likes. Um, so, yeah. One of the most important figures, I believe, is that uh, there's a significant drop-off from Alphamon. And Alphamon being at 21% isn't egregious, but when it's still almost double the second place, and then it just shows how diverse their BT9 meta really was, because it, it, it was just so many decks. Yeah, they had definitely a lot more decks that were able to top an event versus uh, ours event. that was able to get into top 16. So, yeah, just... Yeah, Japanese, these are only event winners that we see, but it's local level winnings. But, so. like, this is, yeah, like, looking at just this type of a data with BT9, um, we could see the influence that yellow hybrids had on the meta because uh, War Greymon uh, X Antibody was their number four deck 
and uh, what was, was it three. for ours? Gaumon was three too. Gaumon was three, yeah. And Grandis uh, was Gaumon... five. Yeah, Grandis was worse because it had a hard time dealing with a larger security because it was more precise on the damage that I was able to do. So it did worse. And stuff like War Greymon X Antibody, which was our 11th best deck um, in BT9, did better in Japan because uh, it just had an easier time punching the opponent's security consistently. And if Yellow couldn't punish it, it it just couldn't punish it. It was just going to take that beating. And Gaiomon just did the same thing, but better, uh, which is reflected in our meta as well, even though... Uh, Gaiomon was more of a yellow hybrid's counter because Black War Greymon tries to delete the opponent's tamers. Um, it still was a good counter for us with Alphamon still running a decent amount of tamers. Yeah, I think their alpha lists started without without running the exact alpha OTK package that I think once they realized was more of a thing and if you include some elements of the Dextoru package um it really just helps the Alphamon list even though you're running like Alphamon Alphamon not Dextoru um and the, the fact that the rare alpha was so good in kind of answering a lot of general threats that were asked of the deck um basically if you look at their top five alpha yellow hybrid Gaumon, Wargrey X, Grandis. Three out of the top five can, and less so for them, but ran Delicate Plan. Alphamon didn't need to run Delicate Plan. And then the other was Yellow Hybrid. So, um, the top Their decks... Grandis didn't exactly run Delicate yeah, that's Plan, what I mean. but Not... Grandis can just... Grandis could just burst damage, and Garurumon came up later in their format, I believe, so, like, their Garurumon was kind of like our blue hybrids um, for EX2, where it's just like, oh, this is actually low-key a really good deck. Um, and that's kind of the pieces that we picked off from was, okay, without yellow hybrids, there's going to be less control decks, which means we don't have to worry as much about security. Um, so we don't necessarily need to rely super heavily on red to be able to be able to deal damage safely. Uh, granted, it's still nice to deal damage safely, but we don't need it as much as they did. So that's what allowed like Garurumon to thrive in that type of environment was there was just less security threats, and it had just as much damage and consistency as all of the others, if not more. Yeah, I think um, with regard to the Japanese BT9, the biggest kind of point was that they were coming off the heels of their first restriction and they really had a lot of their early meta was just settling with well i've been playing yellow hybrid susano loop for you know two and a half formats now i don't know i guess i can still play yellow hybrid but what does that look like or i can still play uh blue hybrid what does that look like and all these new decks coming in just added to that confusion and people i mean not that like not that they're not as good as discerning cards they just don't have as much time and as much foresight as we do so it they're kind of operating almost in like the older sense of games that you know 
I haven't really remembered since I was younger, like back when, you know, in the early Pokemon games, someone would tell you like, oh yeah, if you use strength on the truck, there's a Mew underneath it. Or like, you have to go to this specific place at this specific time. And because... Like strategy guides. Yeah, using a like paper they, strategy they guide. Wrote, yeah, they Japan wrote our strategy guides and they were going in completely blind to a lot of it. So like going back to another key difference, uh, D-Reapers. D-Reapers was very underwhelming in Japan for a while. And then it had some really decent success in late BT-9, BT-10. Um, and then we saw that it was doing well in BT-10, and then lo we and behold, hey, for our BT we picked it back up for our BT-9 because we had all of those parts and pieces. All it was missing was Starmons and Death Exmon, and that was it. And it took us a while, or I guess it took Japan a while to and realize that that was good, uh, and the X-Antibody option. Um, and once we had those parts and pieces, which we all did in BT-9, then the deck actually started performing well. Um, shocker? Well, not really, because it just seems like an easy pick. Mostly, like, what I was alluding to with my Pokemon just, like, uh, allegory was just that they didn't have as cohesive as a strategic force. They don't have, you know, people all collect... Like, their collective strategic effort is localized. So, if you have your grandest list from your locals and your you know you and your friends work on this and you play each other and then you go to your locals and you're the best grandest player at that event at that locals that's the list that people try and mold towards you don't have these giant 512 player um you know best of three events to really discern more on a, like i guess a statistical level what lists are better than others you know which cards should you run more of which cards should you run fewer of what are the better tech cards and that stuff just kind of they don't really get to deal with because they don't have to so, i mean granted they don't have like, the same opportunity still, yeah like luck in various other fact like match up luck draw luck all that stuff is still factors into deck success like I've seen Gurumon run red and do well. I've seen Gurumon without red also still do well. It's just what you think for that type of environment that you're walking into would be better. I teched one of my Gurumon decks. Uh, I, I know this is at a local level, but I teched it red to be able to deal with the security control players and the Bell Stark control player. Um, and I did well into those matchups, but when I got into some of the other matchups, I started doing worse because I was teched for more control heavy decks if i was just sheerly playing control heavy decks i would have done way better um but that's just like you said goes into the tech differences that you need to evaluate when you're bringing your deck and these bigger events just gives us a better statistical outlook well it, it also just is a worse representation of their total meta because they don't have a total meta there is at no point where all the Japanese locals combine forces and form a mega tournament trying to rival that of the online North American events or European events. And so as a result, when we collect all their data in a format like this to compare with ours, it just ultimately doesn't 
equate to anything other than an overview of what they were playing and when they were playing it. And what you kind of see overall is that they traditionally stick to the newest decks, not really sticking with decks that are too old, especially now that they know if they do, they're going to get them banned, something we don't necessarily have to deal with outside of yellow and blue hybrids, where for the first time we, the North American players, influenced a restriction. <clears throat> and now they're going to play with whatever the newest set of cards is and optimize it as best they can given the length of time they have and the far shorter length of time they have with which to play test ahead of time and project how well certain cards fit into certain decks. Yeah. Uh, also, because we have the knowledge of their spoilers, I know there is a group of people that are doing lots of early testing and they have an extended time with those types of formats to be able to refine them for the English environment. Like they do their mock best of three uh, mini tournaments um, and they just use that time to just refine and edit and iterate, especially while that information is still fresh in Japan, they're also working in tandem with that. Yeah. It's something that, honestly, any player, like, worth their competitive salt, like, would do, I guess, as far as if they're trying to be the utmost competitive they can be, um, then you would have, you know, a couple weeks to, if not a month, at least, of games under your belt before you even play in an event even you know potentially a locals i know it's something that we've kind of tried to do amongst our team as far as we have access to these cards way in advance we have a rough idea of what their meta is even as it starts to play out i know that we now we're starting to get bt11 data in and what decks are having success in japan and we can take that and apply our structure to it and play it and really kind of iron out okay is this deck the best deck potentially or is it just seeing a lot of play is there something like a metal garurumon where a deck that was the sixth best deck in japan is now the best deck of a format we can find those that kind of those kinds of things out ahead of time with just taking people who approach the game with a certain level of competitive tact to it and just playing i'm a competitive player you're a competitive player and practicing with that mindset not necessarily to win not necessarily to actually have any amount of success with the deck just kind of letting the deck do what the deck can do potentially and it's all about iteration and ideation. Like you take the idea and then you iterate and then you see what sticks, you see what's good, iterate again. Like you're always constantly iterating on these decks to further refine it. And like, that's just a big thing for us is we just have more time and more, I don't want to say ability. Uh, we have more time and availability to be able to iterate, um, especially since we already have a base template to work off of. Yeah. And it's that it's that additional length of time. 
and it's also the additional length of time in how we change things with respect to our format because whereas Jessmon was basically kicking around in Japan until um Bandai restricted BTA. savior until yeah. Bandai restricted savior um in a best of 3 environment with especially decks teched against it somewhat um then Jessmon did not perform to that same level and even though some people were going into BT6 thinking like, oh, Jessmon, you know, this... Because we were coming off the heels of BT5, remember, and Lord Nightmon was the deck. And it was kind of no argument that Lord Nightmon was the deck. So going into BT6, before EX1, Jessmon was the deck. It was just the BT6 Lord Nightmon. So players kind of just accepted that fact in Japan... More so because they didn't have time to figure out that, hey, Gabu Bond in BT6 was actually pretty good. Maybe not necessarily better, but in some cases it was better. And then, oh, by EX1, it's decidedly better. So we had the ability of skipping that middle ground because, you know, had we been there, had we been the players with the brand new cards coming off the heels of BT5, I, I promise you, people would be saying that, nope, Jessmon is the best deck because it can OTK you, and Lord Nightmon couldn't even OTK you, and now Jessmon can it can also pierce through your guys, and all these great things that Lord Night or uh, Jessmon can do that Lord Nightmon, Lord Nightmon couldn't do. And right now, we're entering a pretty, I don't want to say like a pretty interesting BT10, because there's not that many differences. The biggest difference going into our BT10 as of right now is we have zero idea where these security uh, rookie promos are, and they were a pretty decent part to the Japanese BT10. So we're going to be entering this new BT10 environment without these promos, and that can and does impact some decks on their overall performance. I know one as an example is Beelzemon. It really wants that Itmon, uh, well, one, because it's an Itmon, and two, because the security effects just keeps an Itmon on the field while you're warping into your BT2 Beelzemon. Um, it just allows and enables those types of play to be easier, which then makes the deck function a little bit better. So without that Tekken tool, now that deck is going to be performing worse, and it has to try to adapt or die Um to the new type of environment that we're going to be entering in. Not saying all of those decks are like that, that wants to use the security promos. Some of them don't even use any security promos. Um, but it is definitely something Japan had that we don't. And usually when they design these types of promos, I don't want to say they have like an artificial shelf life because they don't. It's just they're designed for a particular environment and anything outside of that environment is the plus. And those promos were designed for the BT10 environment. Yeah. Um, the 1% of you out there that are playing Beelzemon, it, you're going to go down now, unfortunately, since you don't have your security promo. So the 0.5% of you, hopefully you guys can find you know another half of a percent and try and get together and come up with a working list, but I don't have a lot of faith. Well, I mean, like if you look at uh, some of the other promos, like uh, in BT4... We got the the power-up promos, I think they were called, and those were uh, more impactful for our BT4 environment than Japan's because they got them later in BT5 when they no longer needed those cards. 
Um, and then in BT9, again, same story with the update pack. Uh, those promos were hugely impactful for the BT9 environment for those decks because that's where that's the decks that they were designed for. Well, I, yeah, I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying Beelzemon's already a bad deck. The fact that they're missing pieces just makes them a non-existent deck, not just a bad deck, like a, a non-deck. No, it it gets a, it gets good pieces. It's just without that promo, it's not going to perform supposedly on the same level as in Japan because it did have some mild success in Japan uh, because of the new support. And then obviously we know that it's getting some starter decks, but uh, who knows? Just like we don't even know if we're going to get that promo by the time the starter deck comes out. So that could still be a huge problem going down the road if we don't get that type of a promo. You're going to make me look it up. Look what up? <laughs> the the promo? No. The um how well Beelzemon did in BT ten in Japan. Oh. Uh it didn't do gangbusters by any stretch of the means, but no. it, it had some showing. Uh I could look it up also. Oh I I might be able to just go to my history. I actually well I did, but I actually can't find i i ty I typed in bt10 and it didn't maybe it maybe i fixed it okay i fixed it okay so i'm assuming let's try deck number three deck number three in bt10 is per nope black oh. black x antibody okay um deck four no so the easiest way to do it is uh just go to the format and then search by color. So we're looking at purple decks. And then Beelzeman, uh, he was uh, he has eight decks. Yeah. So there go. were eight winning Ooh. decks. I know. <laughs> but he still had some mild success. Okay. Now, do you want to play the game of um, how many the number one deck had? I know you're looking at it, but... So you just heard that Beelzemon had eight. That makes it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, eighteen. It's the nineteenth best deck in BT10. Uh, congratulations, anyone that wants to play it. Um, uh, yeah, I know Crosshearts <laughs> has a hundred and twenty-four. That's yeah, that was the number I was gonna spoil. So yeah, the number one deck of Japan for BT10 had a hundred and twenty-four results. Uh, higher than. Alphamon, though I don't know how many they had total, because um... Alphamon, there was 68. It was 101. Oh, uh, at, at its peak? Yeah, 101. Yeah. Um, so, it's not... So, Crosswords is slightly more dominant than Alpha was in BT9. But... As we've already shown, that doesn't necessarily matter because Alpha wasn't even the best deck of our format. It was, you know, up there, but maybe number two, uh, Yellow Hybrids in BT10 will be the best deck. No, probably not, unfortunately. I wish. So even just looking at some of the BT10 stuff, we already know that there's going to be huge differences um, I mean, Cross Arts, probably everyone's going to jump on that bandwagon. Again, we don't know 
how good it's going to perform in these large-scale events. Uh, unfortunately, it's only going to have one large-scale event uh, before EX3 comes in, um, just because that time gap is really small. But EX3 being assuming an EX no that usually delays. gets lumped in. Yeah, assuming no further delays, um, it's just going to get lumped in where it's BT10 slash EX3 meta. Like, that mm -hmm. is going to be the extended meta, and then we'll have a little bit more... Uh, telling power on how good it's going to be in English because who knows, maybe it's just a really good deck that can high roll once and that's all it needs to do uh, for a couple of games. But can it do it consistently for a lot of games throughout a big event? Who and knows? And when every deck uh, is teching against it. Yeah. Especially when uh, you have some decks that are teching against it and you have a little bit more counter tech. Um, Dark Knights can still Oh, well, they just got the ability to be able to delete Tamers. You still have Gaiomon, which is using Black War, which is going to help delete some Tamers. Mastymon's still a deck using um, Elusimon, which can delete some Tamers. Uh, Deathx is going to run around everywhere as a good tech splash card, just because if they're playing lots of Tamers and lots of Digimon, well, that just makes Deathx easy to play. Whether it actually does anything, who's to say? But it's still just an easy card to play, just to be annoying. Yeah. So, so um BT10's already shaping up to be different for us uh than Japan. Um especially yeah, with these ban restrictions yellow, and lack of promos. So. Yeah. Um and blues restricted, which will hurt blue flares a little bit even though blue flares didn't necessarily uh, need to they, be hit. They used Sora and Joe more than Tommy. They used Tommy a little bit at the beginning just because they were like, "Oh, they use they're doing similar things." Uh but like now they're just going to use Sora and Joe just because Sora and Joe can just, oh, you're stunned? Cool. Now I can still use my other stun tools um, that isn't Tommy. Yeah, they don't all use Tommy, but they they usually use like a little bit of both. Like the fact that you can only use one Tommy, it hurts a lot of these lists. A lot of these lists are running like two Tommy. Uh, plus Blue Flares has this like little cute cheeky thing. That you could do with uh, shoving your cards underneath your tamers and now they're inheritables. So you can pass that along to your hybrids and then back into your Digimon. So it's it's just a really like interesting interaction. I hope you guys can heard the beginning of that sentence because your mic just backfed real hard. Um, but um, yeah, that's going to be the end of this episode. Um Next episode will be our English BT9 retrospective. Um, again, delayed a little bit because of the delay. But just go ahead and send us your guys' uh, opinions on how you thought the English BT9 went. Um, only, like, the more opinions we get, the better. Because I know how I feel about it. I know how Zenitsu feels about it. And I know how like our collective locals feel about it but the more opinions the better um and hopefully we'll be able to touch upon that next week and with that goodbye goodbye <laughs>